Ken and I went to a group um, called Chemin Neuf, New Path. It was uh, this festival, the Changemaker Festival. And Budapest is a long ways away. It's like nine and a half hours to Frankfurt and then an hour and a half from there to Budapest, Hungary. And anyway, I had 14 people that were part of my group of Changemakers. And we had three hours every afternoon where we would do a Bible study about Jesus's mission. And then we break up into groups and go out on the streets to kind of try to put it into practice right away. And uh, most of the people had never done that. And it was like uh, super challenging. But God like moved and uh, gave everybody really good experiences. Like uh, example would be we were going to go out and, uh, you know, we went out, our group went out and we walked the streets. We were in this neighborhood that was really kind of sketchy, like a lot of, it was gypsy. And the gypsy people, the Roma people, a lot of them are involved heavily in drugs and prostitution and a lot of homelessness. And, you know, so there's a lot of guys that are pimping out girls and women and they're on the street corners and they're checking us out, wondering what we're doing, why we're in their neighborhood. And, so we were walking along, we came to this guy. Oops, that's mine. Good job, Bob. Be quiet over there. Anyway, we were praying for this guy who was a homeless guy who had lost both of his legs. And he was sitting there in this wheelchair and uh, he, uh, he really wanted prayer. It's kind of cool. He was he was drinking a big forty ounce beer and and uh, you know we offered to pray for him and then we said, what do you see as the needs of the streets here? Because you're here all the time. You you know you're like an expert. And so he started to tell us. He says like there's a lot of prostitution and there's a lot of homelessness and there's a lot of people that are really sad and so then right then there's a woman who's who's trying to flag down cars. He's like a trying to get business, you know, uh, right in front of us. And so after praying for the guy, and then we said, you can be a light and you can be a person who prays the streets. He was so excited about that. And then we, we went over to this woman and one of the women said to her, the Hungarian woman said to her, Hey, uh, do you, do you, do you feel like you know God? And she says, well, I used to, but then I took this bad path. And we were like, well, look, you know, God hasn't given up on you, you know, no matter what, you do or we do. God is God of love. He seeks after those that are lost and he's a friend of sinners. And we offered to pray for her and she was like, yeah, I want prayer. We prayed for her and her mascara got all tingly. I mean, got all droopy and, you know, big black smears came down her cheeks. And the whole time we're praying, her hands are like this. And um, it was really, really, really beautiful just to see how open people were. Anyway, we did this day, every day. Uh, five, four days every afternoon. And the last day we invited other people from the conference to join us. We had tw 20 more people join us. So we went out 11 groups of three. And so it just, anyway, the whole experience made me think, man, we got to do that here. I mean, we have done it here, but like I thought, you know, our group, we could, we could do that. And it would be so cool to organize a weekly outreach. And what we did is we just prayed and we said, God, give us your eyes, Jesus. So we would see what you want us to notice and help us to notice what you want us to notice. And we're going to pray through the streets. We're going to bless. And then what we do is we come to people 
and say, hey, we're praying prayers of blessing over these streets and over the people in this neighborhood. Like, can we pray a prayer of blessing over you? And most of the time they were like, yeah. And it was really, uh, we found kind of a rhythm and it was pretty darn cool. We were praying for healing. So people got healed. We prayed for and everything. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you because. That's like when we were passing out flyers. When you're passing out flyers. So anyway, that's something that I'm hoping we can start to do as a community around here soon. So today I wanted to share a, a scripture that's been on my mind for a long time. And uh, just haven't had the right moment to share it. It's uh, Matthew 15. So check this out. Um, Matthew 15 says, Some of the Pharisees and the scribes, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were the religious and legal people of the time. Like the scribes, they knew all the rules and they kind of made sure that everyone was following the rules and they were really big rule followers. And, uh, and the Pharisees and the scribes were together in that. That they thought to be a follower of God meant to follow a bunch of rules and be make sure that you were law-abiding, you know, according to the religious traditions of the Old Testament stuff. Anyway, so they came to Jesus and they said, Why do your disciples break the rules? Why are your disciples breaking the tradition of the elders? Uh, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now that might seem weird to us. I mean, most of us, we probably think, oh yeah, it's important to wash your hands before you eat. We grew up with that, right? But for them, it was it was different because they saw anything, um, everything that was outside them as kind of unclean spiritually. And so they had to kind of keep that spiritual, the spiritual germs, like it was kind of like COVID now, you know, but so they thought there was an invisible spiritual bad, bad juju or vibe that you could get by just not washing your hands. And so they had these rules, but the, that, that really wasn't in the Bible. They just, it was their tradition. So they're like, why don't you guys wash your hands? Don't you like care about contaminating your, your, the temple, of, the temple of your body? And so look what Jesus says. Seems like Jesus could have said, well, yeah, it's important to wash your hands. I'm good with that. I'm down with washing your hands. Like, here's some, here's some, um, you know, disinfectant. Here's some wipes. But no, Jesus decides to get in their face. He answered and he said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? You know, why do you guys break the God's rules for the sake of your rules? And so my question to you guys is, what are some of the traditions that we have that are not really God's rules? What are some of the rules that we, that we feel like are super important and that we would get down on people for breaking? Don't tell on your friends. Don't tell on your friends. There it is, yeah. Or your enemies. Or your enemies. <laughs> so don't, tell. don't be a rat. Don't be a rata. Rata. Don't tell, right? Okay. What are some other rules that the, that the state has, like? Like I think about like you gotta pay you gotta uh, drive with a valid Washington State driver's license. You're supposed to like have insurance. You're supposed to you know uh, not be not you know like a lot of things about driving. There's a lot of rules, right? Gotta go the speed limit. Okay. Stop at the stop signs. Or what about like when somebody gets charged with 
domestic violence, and it's false. And then you got the prosecuting attorney who just thinks that everybody needs to go to prison. Yes. So don't break restraining orders, even if you never did anything in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, and and what about marriage? What are some of the rules around relationships? No cheating. Okay, well, that's probably a good rule, but but some people would say you have to have a diamond ring if you're going to ask a girl to marry her. And so if you don't have that diamond ring, then you can't do it, right? It's not a legit wedding. Is that is that a belief that people have? What about having kids before marriage? That's also a tradition. A tradition is that uh, in, in, in oftentimes in the church, the church says, well, if you, you have to get married before you start having babies, right? Okay. Um, what about like, uh, I mean, there's so many rules that we have that are not really even in scripture that we, that we judge people according to those rules. Like I, I've been thinking about the recovery movement, the recovery, according to the recovery movement, uh, Manuel and I were talking earlier about this. What is Manuel? There you are. Some of the rules would be like, you have to have a sponsor. You have to show up regularly to meetings. Um, you have to confess, uh, you know, um, the true sobriety date, like not make up dates and say, hey, I'm 10 years clean and sober when maybe it's only been six months because you're like trying to dismiss the time when you relapse that nobody knows about except you and your girlfriend or whatever, right? So you have to tell the truth. Um, what would be some other rules? Hold yourself accountable, okay? Some, some recovery movements say you can't drink uh, energy drinks. Right? Some would say no coffee even. Some would say you shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. Like the Russians, they're hardcore. They're like no smoking, not no vaping, no coffee, no energy drinks, no I mean, you know. Yeah, they can you can have sugar. So there's rules out there, right? And um and I think sometimes sometimes people make rules and they say, Well look, there have been people that have said Tierra Nueva is not a recovery church because sometimes you smell weed. So I, um, so I heard that like on somebody told me that on the Sabbath you're not supposed to work, but in the Bible that's in the Old Testament. But like one of the examples they gave, which I thought was really good, like what if you're a medical doctor and somebody has a heart attack and they have to have surgery on a Sunday? What are you supposed to say? Oh, I'm a good Christian, so I can't do surgery. What if you're a mom and you're in labor? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. And, and like, if you're, I think it's good to drive with a license, but what if you, you know, what if there's an emergency? What if your kids need to be picked up and there's nobody to pick them up after school? You know, what are you going to do? Just let them, let them sit there and sleep on the porch of the school, right? What are you going to do? So I think uh, Jesus here gets really hardcore against people that are judging other people according to these kind of human rules. Look what he says. He says, um, well, first he gets down on the disciples, on the, on the Pharisees, because they made a rule. Uh, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that your way will go well with you. And the Pharisees, they would take all their money and they dedicate it uh, to God and to the, to the works of God that they, were, that they were practicing. And then they'd say, well, 
our rule says that we have to dedicate all of our money to God so we can't help our mom and dad. And so Jesus gets down on them and says, you guys break the, the word of God in favor of your traditions and you don't even take care of your mom and dad. So that's kind of cool how Jesus is a defender of older people, right? He's a defender of the elderly in this text. Then he says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of people. In other words, like, so he, he says, you're, the people's hearts, you know, you guys, you Pharisees and scribes and rule-bound people, your hearts are far away from, from, me, from, from God because you're not really about the heart, the matters of the heart. And then Jesus goes on and he says, uh, then the disciples came and said, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? And Jesus was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Pharisees, hey. No, he doesn't say that. He says, look, every plant which the heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. So Jesus doesn't have any tolerance for rule, law enforcing rule bound people, according to this text, who are just about human traditions and judging people according to human traditions, right? He calls them blind guides. He said, if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the pit. And then Peter says, explain the parable to us, Jesus. And he says, are you still lacking in understanding? Also, you guys, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? Do we understand that? Do you guys understand that? Everything that goes into your mouth? What happens to stuff that goes in our mouths? What? Okay. I mean, we all know that you poop it out, right? Your body uses what it can, and then you poop out the rest, right? So Jesus is giving them a lesson in human biology, right? Everything that goes into your mouth or your lungs, what happens to stuff that goes in your lungs? Like things that we, substances that we put into our lungs, what happens to them? They're absorbed into our tissues, and then what happens? Our blood takes them into our kidneys and our they get cleansed, and and then all the whatever, I mean, our bodies cleanse, cleanse our, ourselves of all these things, right? So then Jesus says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So in other words, for Jesus, what's most important is what comes out of our mouth, not what goes into our mouth. So that's kind of crazy. So for Jesus, what's really important isn't what comes into our mouth, what we smoke, drink, you know, in, take into ourselves and inject. That's not the highest priority for Jesus. He says, um, what comes out of the heart, that's what makes us unclean. You know, I've just been thinking a lot about this. The recovery movement, we support it. Really, we do. However, when you say, like, I've been clean for so long, that's clean in a limited sense of what clean is. If I say clean and sober, just means like not having a substance that would show up in my blood through a UA. You know, I mean, that's true according to those rules. But according to Jesus, what makes us unclean isn't a substance. It's what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of our mouth, right? So then he says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, 
fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. These are the things that defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't make someone unclean. Or to drink something, or to smoke something, or to inject something, according to Jesus, that doesn't make us unclean. That's a radical idea, right? What makes us unclean is what comes out of us. Does that make sense? So if I if my heart is full of hatred and then I have a like a six pack of beer, that hatred might might you know my anger might become I might lose control and decide to go beat up somebody. Right? And then then it's a problem. Then then I have become, you know, like that's what makes me unclean is kind of what comes out of my heart. So if my heart is messed up, then the substance might make me weak so that I would go hurt someone, right? So that's a bad thing, right? But the heart is the issue that Jesus is interested in, in caring for. And uh, I just, uh, I was just thinking how beautiful that is really that Jesus says that. And I got thinking about, you know how we say we have, I've been six months clean and sober, I've been three weeks, or this is my, my one year birthday for being clean and sober. What if we had a, a different way of saying, we said, look, it's been six months since I've gossiped. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, hey, I, six months without gossiping. Or it's been six months since I flipped someone off on the, on the freeway. Right? Just think if we said that. And everyone's like, all right, Lisa, six months without flipping anyone off on the freeway. Let's give a round of applause for Lisa. <laughs> or if I said, like, you know, it's been, it's been like, Five days since I um, got, I mean, since I judged somebody. And everyone's like, wow, five days. That is a hard, how did you do that, Mike? I just judged that. How did you do that, Mike? I just relapsed. I am so inspired by Mike that it's five days without judging someone. So, so Jesus, he cares about that kind of stuff even more than he does about anything else. And I feel like Tierra Nueva, want, it should be a place where is concerned about matters of the heart, first and foremost in everything. We shouldn't be about judging anybody. We should have a zero tolerance for judging. You know, like, because Jesus is saying, you're hypocrites. Like, you're judging people according to human traditions. But we shouldn't be about that. We should be a place that's safe for rule breakers. That's how I feel. We, we need to be safe for, for anybody that's a rule breaker. I mean, within reason, if somebody's like a pedophile who's lurking around, I mean, we have to protect our families and things like that, right? But but I think, really, like, I think God wants to call us to a higher level, a higher level of of, uh, of, of, of purity of our hearts. Anyway, I wanted to see, I don't know, if, Manuel, if you have anything you wanted to say or not this time about sort of the recovery aspect of it and what do you think brings about the real lasting change for people who are kind of in recovery? Can you Can you come up? Because we've been talking just about what really does bring about change regarding substances. It does. Um, yeah, so, you know, we were talking about this. Really close to it. We were. Oh, yeah. Where were we at? Hey, Harold. So, yeah, we were, we were talking about this. And it, it's, it's uh, the recovery program is uh, pretty intense when it starts talking about, like, their higher power and who your higher power is. 
And what I've noticed, I've been in a recovery program for some years now. And what I've noticed is that uh, the true recovery comes from when people accept God in their hearts. And, and they talk about God and God uh, giving them grace and saving them. And when they speak that truth, uh, that's where the recovery starts to kick in. Uh, and the people that are having the most difficult times are the ones who are not choosing God as their higher power. The God, as we know, in the in the Holy Book, you know, God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, and Jesus. They're not when they're not choosing that God. Uh, we notice that there is difficulties in, in their recovery program and, and it leads them to uh, uh, relapses and it leads to a lot of unclean things coming out of their mouths, even in the recovery meetings. Uh, probably some things I've, I, I'm not talking about specific people, but I can say it now because, you know, it's in general. And then what those unclean things like when they come out like that, what it does is it attracts the other people that are having a difficult time and they bond to that scenario and then it holds them back further from a recovery what do you mean by that so it takes them longer it takes them longer to uh work through the the program and so and in that case uh they have a tendency to uh themselves relapse or they just stop coming to meetings and they fall off you know slowly so those things happen like that so they so it is like that like attraction and and when you're in early stage recovery uh, that like attraction is easy because that was the easier route before you even got there that's what they were doing so they they you know they navigate towards that and so it takes strength to stand out alone and it you know to be a, a part of the kingdom of god it takes strength to step into that kingdom and to say it to be set apart how do you um how do you, Emmanuel, feel like, how is your heart, what changes your heart? What do you, th what do you think brings about change of someone's heart from inside, from the inside out? From the inside out, uh, a lot of praying and a lot of worshiping God. <laughs> but what brings about the change is that, you know, it's Jesus, it's God. God comes in and the Spirit of God does something to that person. And they have what it is, what they call in the program, a spiritual awakening. And once they have that spiritual awakening, uh, which we never know when it exactly happens, but it is something that is inside them, and then they start to share it, and they change how they're talking. They start to speak differently. They start to, to speak about themselves and other people differently, out loud. Do you see? Do you ever see people that are kind of more about just following the rules and the traditions versus people that are authentically in a process of change? Yeah. See that, you know. I mean, I'm not gonna. I can't talk too much on that because it's gonna be when I see something like that. It's like judging. It's, I become like, yeah, there you I go. Start to judge, you know. And so I try not to do that. And so yeah, but I do see it. Yeah, that's good. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. So the question that I have is, how do we change? How does the heart change? You know, do we change? Does the heart change just through, you know, like doing a bunch of. Spirit, just a bunch of hard work disciplining ourselves, like to not to try to not do a bunch of bad things. How does your heart change? So, well, so for me, of course, you know, I'm an addict to recovery, and so I first went to treatment and then and then went to meetings. Okay, oh. no, right, you're right there. Okay. So when I, I first, you know, laid down drugs and I went to treatment, they really focused kind of like um, 
what he was talking about was, you know, the rules and the certain terminology and, you know, relapsing and how many months you have clean and you get your little tokens and you go by the 12 steps, like that's almost like the commandments. And because I didn't know God, um, I walked that path for 13 years of, yeah, I believed in God, but that was about it. That was all the work I did. Um, but I did, I focused on the 12 steps. And now that I look back, my life was really empty. And asked my kids, I was really judgmental and angry and controlling and manipulative. I mean, it was, it was, um, yeah, I mean, like I had no drugs in my life, but I was really miserable. So this time around, I did the opposite and I welcomed God into my heart and, um, and I was baptized and I read the Bible and people that knew me from my past have said, wow, you've really changed. Like you're a completely different person. What did you do? And I said, I, I don't know what I did. I don't, I didn't try to change. I just did because God is in my heart today. So I really know that for me anyway, it's important that I put God first before anything. Wow. Stay there for a second. So, um, so Lorinda, are you saying then that, um, that when you follow these human traditions, like for you, that was like the 12 steps? Yeah. That, um, that that could just be kind of like what the Pharisees were doing here and just demanding that people wash their hands and follow all these rules? Is that kind of what you're making that application for? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so what, what does it feel like to have your heart be changing? Have you, you know, can you talk about that, what that's like? What it's like is like I when I look at somebody that's different than me and automatically I will judge like I'm totally aware of that today like I don't do that because I know that Jesus does not like that judging and gossiping and manipulating and talking bad about other people behind their backs like all that is so negative and I just I realize that I don't know I just, yeah, like I, and I read the Bible and I listen to other people who have God in their heart. And I just know it's, it's kind of like just re, being rebirthed or whatever. Like, I just know that now. It's not right. Right on. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my hope is that we would be people like what Lorinda's describing, you know, people who are humble and, and just like able to confess like, Hey, I'm still messed up. You know, I'm a disciple, and I'm trying to grow and change and be honest and be humble. You know, and I'm asking uh, Jesus, you know, Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. We can ask God to do that. You know, we can't create a clean heart for ourselves. You know, that's the work of God. And so we just say, Jesus, create in me a clean heart, right? And when we do that, he will bring things up into our mind, into our, into our consciousness about our own sin. We're, and that's when we need to just agree. That's called confessing. When we just say, okay, I am judging people. I am gossiping here. That's not cool. Stop, Bob. You know, just lay off the gossip and stop judging. 
and you're justifying your judging, you know, like we justify judging people, don't we? We think, well, they, they deserve it. You know, I mean, like, they deserve to be judged, you know, and they deserve to be flipped off. And we, we justify that all the time instead of just saying, wow, I'm weak today. Um, right? I mean, I've been, the other day, some lady went by me and gave me the finger on the highway, and I just felt like, oh, man. And then she cut right in front of me, and I wanted to just, oh, man, I had so many thoughts. And uh, then I just uh, calmed down. I started praying, oh, Jesus, you know, help me, you know, and I forgive that lady. And But it took a little while for me to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I did, but. Of course, that doesn't excuse me. I could have done something obnoxious without knowing it. So, so you guys, God wants our hearts to be transformed. And I got another reading. This is actually the reading that is read all across the United, all across the world in the Catholic Church and Presbyterian, Lutheran, a lot of churches. Ephesians, chapter four. It says, verse. Uh, 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, I think we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we when we get into just being all about rules and judging and gossiping and thinking we're superior and all that kind of stuff. That grieves the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is like tapping on our shoulders going, hey, Bob, like, is everything perfect with you? And I'm like, uh, no, yes, no, yes, no, no, it isn't. So don't grieve. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. All of it, right? Along with all malice. Malice is like hate, hating. You know, just, ah, you know, despising people, right? Be kind to one another, like Bob is, right? Bob's very kind. Be kind to one another, just as God in Christ also. Oh, no, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted and forgiving each other. You know, that feels really good to be, to be like that, I think. Better than being bitter and raging and judging. And, you know, being tender-hearted, okay, is good. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So call to that kind of love, you guys. And, and that's my hope and prayer is that I would be that way and that all of us would be that way. We'd be people that show lots of love and kindness and tenderness and forgiveness to the people in our, in our valley here and beyond, up in Canada and everywhere. So let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to not be people that are just living by traditions, but that are people that are walking in love and not being hypocrites, judging and gossiping, but really being humbly uh, open to just confessing our own need for you, Jesus. And just I just pray for changes in our hearts, that you create a new heart in each one of us and renew our spirits. We pray in your name. Amen.